Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. It's time for Soul Talks. So glad to have a conversation with you. Christy and I are very honored to be in relationship with you and to follow Jesus together. And today we are going to talk about living with a perfectionist, as in what's it like for Christy to live with Bill? (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to talk about this because probably either you or your spouse or friend or family member are a perfectionist. Almost all of us live with a perfectionist, either the one inside our own heads or somebody in our home. (laughs) And so what's that really like and how do we deal with that? So, Christy, we had a run-in with that this morning. It's uh, Monday morning as we are recording, and we're just coming back from a week of leading our Soul Shepherding Institute, which is so wonderful. Uh, And as we've said many times, we just would love to have you join us in our Soul Shepherding Institute. Uh, Maybe you want to earn a certificate to become a spiritual director or a coach, but even just coming to the Institute Retreats is just a wonderful community experience uh, and learning. We so enjoy it. And the challenge, though, is when we come back and we come back to the office and all the things to catch up on and different uh, responsibilities that we have and projects that are going. And while we love our work, we're still um, getting our system together to try to get our workload more more manageable. We've hired some new staff and delegating and so forth. But uh, I'm still doing too much and needing to better space with my boundaries. And so when I'm under stress, that activates the perfectionism and that comes with some negativity and self-judging and uh, even judgmental critical comments and I'm uh, sad about that and that affected you this morning Christy. It did and I was sensitive to it and felt frustrated by my sensitivity. I didn't want to be reactive to it I wanted to be able to be resilient enough, and I wanted to be able to just have lots of grace for you with that. But it did, it did affect, it was affecting our relationship and our ability to work well together. Yeah, and so just to help help listeners sort of understand more specifically, so when I'm stressed, little things will bother me. So we had a uh, our we have podcast equipment in our recording studio here at home, and a friend put this together for us, what, five or six years ago, and we're like, don't touch the buttons because we don't understand any of this equipment. One of the cords got put in, the, uh, one of the plugs got put in the wrong place, and so I kind of like freaked out, like, okay, where does that belong? And it would be a bummer to record and not have it be in the right place. And so then it's like, because we're our own sound engineers here, so it's like we're real uh, low uh, uh yeah, we're just in our home, just Bill, Bill and Christy, and we're just imagining you here with us. So I made a negative comment about that. And then our we have a cat. You have heard about our, our beloved cat, Charlie, many times in the past, if you've been a longtime listener, uh, going back. Uh, when did we lose Charlie? A little, a year and a half, a little yeah, over a year ago? A little a year and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, especially for you, Christy, you love Charlie so much. And so we got a new cat and it hasn't gone so well. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, many things that are difficult. Uh, We we love him still and uh, he's a beautiful cat, but he's pretty disruptive. And 
one of the things he does is at night he just hangs out on our kitchen counters and then he he jumps down and I because he knows that's not allowed. Right. So when so I when he hears there, me he when he hears me come and I'm usually the first one up, I, I immediately hear him jump down off the counter onto the floor. So I made a negative comment about that and I don't know there might have been three or four other ones that were sort of stress reactions. I wasn't even thinking about it as I was doing it. I was just sort of I guess I was venting. Uh, you've had a stressful morning yourself with the transition and some family stuff. And so you shared with me that this was wearing on you, the comments that I made. Yeah, I was having trouble feeling, I was having trouble giving you the grace that I wanted to be able to and have it not stick and wear me down. And as you told, as, as you listened to me and as I shared, I really appreciated you weren't defensive and you really heard me and you really owned your what the feedback I was giving you, your part of what you were carrying and what I was feeling from you. And you you felt sad. You feel sad about it. Yes, and I, I'm grateful for your appreciation. That came, just so the listeners understand, that came after at least a minute of uh, me being silent and doing deep breathing and praying. <laughs> and I didn't even explain to you, Christy, what I was doing. I just tried to, because I felt defensive inside and I felt, as I told you when we started resolving the conflict, is just to fill out the situation a little more. It's always helpful when you have the, the details of the example of, uh, that go with the emotion in this case and the conflict that we had. We were about to record uh, some podcasts and uh, we weren't in a good place relationally because of the critical perfectionistic comments that I had made that had been wearing on you. And so then, Christy, you you just felt like you couldn't sort of produce a podcast right. in that state, which is so, I so agree with that, but I wasn't in that um, mode of accepting that in that point in time. So when I got your feedback, of course, I, yeah, I felt criticized, but I knew it was all true. And I knew that you needed empathy and compassion and grace and you needed my apology. And I wanted to do that, but I was feeling so bad on the inside and then I was feeling so much pressure, not just the pressure of the work that needs to get done to catch up, but also I was feeling the weight of your, your emotions and your needs because I knew that this had been hard for you and you needed me to be in a place of gentleness and love and attunement with you. And I hadn't been that way and I was feeling bad about that. And then, so now I was feeling like not only did I need to sort of clean up all these messes that I had made, but I needed to help uh, restore your, emotional well-being and not that you were putting all that expectation on me but I was putting all that expectation on myself and then additionally I was feeling like as you you were sharing about how it was hard for you and and Christy was very fair in her she wasn't like um, yelling at me or even judging me she was just describing that her experience that it was difficult and um, and so you were you were very healthy in the way that you were communicating with me but part of what I was feeling as I was listening to you was like, yeah, I, I know you. I, I know that that would be hard for you to hear those things. 
And I was feeling like, yeah, I know me too. I live with me. And I, I, I experience that all the time. Um, most of the time, I'm very gracious with other people. But I struggle to be gracious with myself. And I live with my awarenesses of things that aren't the way they could be, things that are broken or messy or um, not good. And I see those things all the time. <laughs> and I mostly feel responsible for them and then feel pressure to fix them. So that was part of what I was feeling also was just the kind of the mirror. You were giving me a mirror of and that wasn't your intention. You were just described. You were just trying to breathe and sort of recover your own emotional well-being. And so it was a lot for me to swim through there. And so, yeah, I just started spontaneously just sort of doing some deep breathing and placing myself in the Lord's presence and uh, taking Jesus' hand and knowing that I was loved and that I could... I could do what Jesus would do if he was me and just apologize. Of course, Jesus wouldn't have been like that if he was me, but if someone felt hurt by him, Jesus would uh, offer empathy and grace and compassion. And so, yeah, so I did that, but I also told you what I was feeling. And Well, and I appreciated that. It was helpful for me that you told me what you were feeling, and it was also, I appreciated that you shared with me, because I, I, I feel like I should know that you live with that kind of judgment in your head. You live under your own perfectionism and criticism and pressure. But sometimes I forget that. And so you're reminding me of that was helpful for me and happy empathy for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, your graciousness is very helpful because that's what I have difficulty offering to myself. I mean, I'm like, even now we're, we're sharing with all of you who are listening and we're doing that because time and again we hear from you how helpful it is and because Christy and I worked this out before we're talking with you and so I feel like, yeah, well, I don't, I don't have anything to hide here. The emperor has no clothes, right? I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a perfectionist uh, and yet I just like, it's almost like fingernails on a chalkboard to hear myself say that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have said to people, well, if I call myself a perfectionist, that's okay, but please don't call me a perfectionist. <laughs> that hurts me. <laughs> I was like, I, it's, we're writing a book on emotions and personality, and uh, in the Enneagram model the, with the nine types, the, the common names that are given to the, the nine numbers for the personality types, they're perfectionists. It's the only one that's like clearly a negative label, and so in our book, we're not going to use that label. So... <laughs> But obviously, we Enneagram ones who are reformers, uh, the thing that we struggle with is perfectionism. And other types struggle with perfectionism as well. Sixes and sevens have a line to the one, and you might have a one wing if you're a nine or a two. Um, Most of us at least have pockets of perfectionism, area yeah. where we're per- areas, things we're perfectionistic about. And yeah. It's driving for excellence and then becoming perfectionistic. Sometimes there's a line we cross over mm-hmm. there that gets blurry and we don't even realize we've crossed over. And it's a tricky thing to let go of perfectionism when you're wanting to strive for excellence. And excellence is one of our core values in soul shepherding. You maybe haven't heard us say this. But we have four core values in soul shepherding. First one is intimacy, empathy, with Jesus. intimacy with Jesus, empathy, authenticity, and excellence. 
So yeah, what you're just talking about there is that there's a, a fine line between excellence and perfectionism, and perfectionism is not helpful. It's not a good place to be when you're a perfectionist, and it's not a good place for people in relationship with you, and it's not it's not the best way to to do work or to uh, collaborate with people or for an organization. We would not want it. We would not want soul shepherding to be perfectionistic. It's but, a heavy yoke. Yeah. We, we talk about living in Jesus' easy yoke, yoke to him. Perfectionism is a heavy yoke because it's, it's straining like it's all in us. Yes, and it, perfectionism is a symptom of a, an anxiety problem of internalized stress, worry, and potentially even an anxiety disorder, although most cases of perfectionism are not necessarily a mental health disorder. Uh, so, But excellence is uh, godly, and Jesus was excellent in everything he did. And so we want to, we want to bring excellence. And so that we certainly seek to do that in these podcasts and all of our content and our, our teaching and trainings and the uh, spiritual direction and coaching ministry that we and our staff offer. It's very important to us to, to give our best work. So let's go back to this conflict we have, Bill, because I was listening to a podcast with a couple of psychologists who were talking about the research that's been done and, and their experience also validates this, that when they're working with couples in marriage counseling, they, they find that they will be able to confront a individual in the couple about their issue, that they'll be able to talk to the person about their issue and the person will be able to see it and own it. And then the spouse gets dumbfounded because they're like, I've said those same things I've, I've said that exact same thing that you just said to him or to her, and they blamed, they deflected, they got angry, they got defensive. And so what the research shows is that it is, there's something about where we are better able to respond and own to that feedback coming from a counselor than we are coming from our spouse. And yet you have learned to be able to respond to my feedback like you did this morning with hearing it not responding defensively, not going into blame, and taking ownership. What's helped you to do that? How have you been able to make that that transition such that you could humble yourself and really hear what I'm saying and really see, yeah, there's truth in that that I need to own is, is my part. Uh, well, one way is y- y- you've done that many times with me. You've You've modeled that and I've appreciated that, and I have had people in my life who have done that. Um, there have been times that um, my parents have done that for me. I've had um, mentors in my life that have done that for me, and so I've I've seen the power of that. I've certainly seen examples of that in the Scripture. Many examples of the importance of speaking the truth in love, and uh, a wise person accepts. Uh, like a correction and feedback and uh, Hebrews uh, enduring hardship is discipline. So I, I, I know that's the path of wisdom to become that kind of a person. So, so I've done uh, soul training around that. I've, I've done spiritual disciplines and soul care practices to become someone more like that. Um, more specifically, I would say learning to receive empathy and give empathy uh, learning how to uh, apologize, uh, to to express sadness without going into shame, 
And that's the problem with perfectionism is that underneath perfectionism is guilt and shame. And these are just the most uh, damaging emotional attitudes and uh, self-talk, self-relationship patterns and, and other person relationship patterns. It's, it's just guilt and shame don't help anybody. Uh, godly sorrow is what Paul says in Second Corinthians 7. That's helpful as opposed to guilt and shame. So godly sorrow, sadness, conviction... Certainly, we need to have a, a prick in our conscience and to realize, okay, I've done something unloving or I've had an attitude or a relational style that's been unloving and to, to confess that to the Lord and to the person that we've, we've hurt. It actually helps us to do that if we don't go into shame and self-condemnation. So that's what, what I was doing as I was praying quietly was regathering myself and, and so staying out of or getting out of shame, and then to be able to just realize, well, of course you feel that way, and validate your feelings, and uh, apologize, and listen to you, and offer support for your experience, and validate that you have needs for for grace, and for pleasant conversation with your husband, and to not hear negative comments, uh, like that. I mean, it's because it's different. It's different if we are something we teach in our Soul Shepherding Institute is a difference between unhealthy and healthy complaining. There's a, there's a way. Right. Of, yes. It's not that I couldn't ever hear that feedback or that you're struggling with those things. If you, if you told me you were struggling and asked me to listen and said, you just had, we're, we're struggling with a lot of perfectionism or a lot of negative feelings or you're feeling irritated. If you come to me asking me directly, I probably would have been in a better place, been able to be prepared to give you grace for it. Yeah. So if I if I would have said, um, "Gosh, I'm stressed because one of these one of these wires got unplugged from our digital recorder, and that might mess up the, the podcast, and I'm not sure where to put it, and uh, I hate reading manuals, <laughs> trying to figure it out, and." Uh, if I would have just shared my emotions with you, of course you would have responded with empathy. But I just made a, a negative complaint with a frustrated voice, and it was in a series of other things I had said earlier this morning. Well, and both of us were in places where we were we were hurting, we were struggling in our souls, and we needed we both needed some some care and some connection. And I think that's the other thing is that realizing and owning the state of our soul and being able to talk about it helps us. Yeah. And we did that. We went back and forth. But that's so often the case, isn't it, Christy, when there's conflicts, certainly as we look at our relationship or other relationships that we've been in where there's been conflicts, uh, gosh, and uh, coaching people over the years uh, in the past when we were doing regular therapy appointments with people. Yeah. We said many examples of this where, uh, there's, there's conflict. There's, um, there's been some anger, some remarks that are made, and the ability to kind of uh, step back and, and just stop being reactive about that uh, is something that we need to learn. The, the ability to receive and give empathy is something we need to learn. We need to practice, and and just realizing that so often the problem is not what seems to be the problem. So the my critical comment and stress reaction about the podcast equipment was sort of a 
flashpoint in that, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. And so it, behind that were the earlier negative comments that I'd made this morning. And behind well, that were yeah. your stress this morning from things being built up unrelated to mm-hmm. my comments. Right. My stress, mm-hmm. we, we have in addition to sort of the workload that we have to catch up on on Monday after an institute retreat, we have our we have our family. There's some significant needs in our family right now and, and uh, health health crises and uh, people that we're caring for that we want to care for, but all that takes time and energy. And so so we, we, we feel that. And so that's sort of the background. Yeah, and I think it would be easy to just react and blame and just kind of put all of the it's all it's either all your fault or I take over responsibility and then I feel like I need to fix it all and neither of those are a good place and for for me or for us yeah the common mistake in these situations when you're having conflict with somebody is to try to fix the trigger so make sure that we don't have this problem with the podcast equipment again you know or figure out some solution so our cat doesn't get on the counter whatever the case is and that that's really minimally helpful because it's not the real problem the real problem is in the the relational dynamics or repressed emotional pain or stress that's been going on one of the things that helped me to stay out of that reaction that I go to of needing to fix the problem is that I knew in these cases I couldn't fix it I, <laughs> I I've tried I've tried everything I can't do it and so in that since I was in the at the end of knowing I could fix it whereas before I probably would have just gone to compulsively trying to fix it, wanting to please you. And I knew I couldn't in these, so I had to just tell you how I was feeling about it. And you you humbled yourself. You heard me. And you heard my heart. And I appreciated that. Yeah, well, thanks the Lord helped me do that. And you're welcome. That's important. I want to be somebody that repairs. So what, what helped you to be able to own this, but not go to shame, not turn on yourself. And I think you were able to even have some empathy for yourself in this, as you had empathy for me and how I felt about what I had experienced from you this morning. You made a comment, yeah, I, I know how it feels to live with me when I'm like this, because I live with me. Because th- this, is, this is affecting me too. This is on the inside of me, too. It's not just coming out in your experience. and But you said it in a way that wasn't feeling shame or self-hatred. You said it in a way that was having some empathy for yourself in that. In the psychological research, this is called self-compassion. Uh, that's been studied as a very important trait to develop. The way I understand self-compassion is agreeing with Jesus' compassion for me. It's not a totally a self-help project it's my participation uh, the self part is I'm responding to the Lord's compassion for me and uh, putting my trust in that and agreeing with that but that that part of joining in with that the self-compassion part of it is essential so that's yeah that's what I was doing when I was quietly praying and the Lord helped me just to slot back into sort of my my better self I mean even the sermon on Sunday about God's grace being made perfect through our weakness from Second Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is. And um, yeah, Paul's teaching there that God's grace is made perfect through our weakness. 
So I was able to, to live into that. I know that that's, that's true. I've experienced that and I've, I've studied that, I've practiced that. And so I think that some of that previous training, different times of retreat and like we do in our Social Shepherding Institute every day, five hours of TLC time. TLC stands for To Love Christ. And so we have a free space there for uh, scripture meditation, taking a walk, taking a nap, having a soul talk with somebody. And so having that rhythm in my life that I do that kind of thing, that I actually meditate on, on scripture, memorize scriptures, and then I meditate on them, and I go outside almost every day for an hour or two and walk and run and pray. and so, Which you didn't get to do today, which probably also made Well, it actually I did. I, I was oh, up did? early. I, okay. For 30 minutes I okay. did. I had to, it was okay. a shorter spot, but yeah. So I think that those things, I wasn't thinking about all that stuff, but it's in, it's in my it's in my body and it's in my character. Fortunately, there isn't only perfectionism in my character. Yes. There's less of that than, yes. there, than there was in the past, and there's more and more of, of God's grace and yeah. trusting the Lord's grace. And so I was able to recalibrate in that. And you know, it helped that, that you, you weren't uh, angry at me and being hard on me and judging me. You, you were speaking with a, a gentle voice and just describing for me what, what your experience was like. And I mean, that, st- even that way, it still taps into my, my critic. And that's, yes. that's the thing about perfectionism yes. is that it's, it's pretty relentless. It's yes. pretty ruthless. And so if, if you're not a perfectionist, but you live with someone who is, it, it's good to try to really understand what that's like. And, um, because it, it, when you, you need the communication needs to go both ways. When you're living with a perfectionist, you, you need to be able to talk about uh, what that feels like for you, and how that beats you down or discourages you. But also to try to help your your spouse, your friend, your family member, your your coworker to put words to what they're what that feels like for them, and to give them empathy for that. And as you said, Christy, yeah, a lot of us have a pocket of perfectionism. And so to be aware of that and, and that even though maybe you're not a perfectionist generally in your personality, there's probably some area where you you kind of are. Yeah, I think one of the things that you haven't directly named, but I think you're talking about and I've observed, is that you have done a lot of work on receiving God's grace for yourself. And I think that's part of why you were able to stay out of shame and not get taken over by that. And also part of why you were able to just humble yourself to see this is, this is, you're under a lot of temptation and onslaught. This is, this is hard for you and to own that, but to be able to receive God's grace for you in it today. I have studied God's grace immensely. It's why I wrote Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke because one of the chapters is on perfectionism and because I, I wanted to lean into the Lord's compassion and mercy and grace and unconditional love even more. And I want my personality to be rooted and based in that. And so, yeah, and I, I've read every one of Brenda Manning's books. They're all on God's grace. There's like uh, 13 or 14 of them, and I've read them and reread them. And that's why I, you and I quote Brenda Manning so often because he's... Uh, just uh, very articulate and compassionate in his ministry of God's grace and unconditional love to all, all people. And yeah, well, I appreciate that you receive God's grace today because you received it, you agreed with it, you agreed with God's grace for yourself, and you agreed with the 
with God's grace that I was able to give you. So thank you for that, because that's as such a better way than if you had reacted with anger and judgment or shame. Yeah. Well, just winding this, winding up this conversation. So I would say the the last thing that's helpful to me that I, I mentioned it earlier, just to make sure we really bring it home, is just being in intentional relationships with a spiritual director, a coach, a counselor, and a soul friend, and to just really be honest, be authentic, be vulnerable, uh, share your your struggles and your shortcomings and your emotions, your needs, with someone who gives you grace. And that, that's why we've trained spiritual directors and coaches in Soul Shepherding, and that's why we make them available to meet with you. Right now, you could go on Soul Shepherding's website and find a gentle, gracious, a very wise, godly, prayerful spiritual director or coach that you could talk with about anything in your, your life. You click uh, on work. the Individuals tab, and then the drop-down, you click on Spiritual Direction. You'll see a list of our senior spiritual directors, and then you can read about them, you can click to learn more, and you can click to schedule if you find one you want to schedule with. That's soulshepherding.org. There's also a, a, a page for coaches, or you could just Google Soul Shepherding, Spiritual Direction, Soul Shepherding Coaches. Uh, we just recently got a thank you letter from one of our participants. She was saying how much it has helped her. She says, I've had many spiritual direction sessions in my life from various sources and organizations. The sessions with Soul Shepherding have been most healing because I feel safe enough to relax and bear my heart. I was rather messy in grief from church stuff, but I felt I could be present in my sessions without shying away from what I had been experiencing. That made a difference. This approach is where my heart gravitates. I am so deeply grateful. This is a church leader and a chaplain, and uh, now uh, she is earning a certificate to become a spiritual director for other people because she so appreciated that, that ministry. And so that's available for you, friends. We, we really want you to have the, the care that you need because that's so important in our discipleship to Jesus and all of our relationships and ministry and leadership that we be uh, flowing in God's mercy and compassion and, and we can receive feedback from someone that can speak the truth and love to us to help us uh, be uh, healthier and more loving. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies that new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for your easy yoke that you don't put on us heavy loads and perfectionistic expectations and that you have mercy and grace and empathy for us when we struggle with things that are so far from how we want them to be and when we struggle with our own soul not being where we want it to be, not being able to be um, our, our in total union and uh, fullness of you and your spirit at all times. So we thank you that you're growing us more and more in that. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue the good work that you have begun in us and help us to assist each other in that too by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 